A Russia-Ukraine update. A European superstate. President Biden's cryptocurrency crackdown. And President Biden forcing banks to drive the propaganda of climate change. It's all in the headlines. It's all prophetic. And we will analyze these events on today's edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for being with me on this edition of End of the Age. And I want to tell you that we had a great conference in Gladewater, Texas this weekend, uh, this past weekend. And next weekend, we're going to be in the Rock Church of Plymouth up in Plymouth, Michigan. That is the Rock Church of Plymouth, 1100 West Ann Arbor Trail. And on Saturday evening... This will be March 19th at 7 p.m. I'll be teaching the Antichrist Socialistic Kingdom. Sunday morning we'll be in the same church at 10.30 a.m. I'll be doing Breaking Prophetic News. We'll be having a Q&A session. And our conferences have really had, we've had great crowds out. So looking forward, I know that the, the uh, Plymouth, Michigan conference has always been packed out. So I know a lot of people have expressed interest in the conference already. And so looking forward to seeing you up to this next weekend. Also, uh, remember me in your prayers. I will be on Jim Baker's show uh, this coming Wednesday. I'll be traveling up to the Jim Baker program and, and near Branson, Missouri. And I'll be on his show Wednesday morning. And I'll be on his um, son's program, Mondo. I'll be on his program on Thursday. And then driving back and then flying out Friday to go up to the conference in Plymouth. So, uh, remember me in your prayers a lot of these are very um, exciting times, a little scary times for some people. And we want to make sure that we answer some questions and help people, help alleviate people of that fear. And a lot of times, just simple understanding of things can, take, can remove the fear factor. And so, uh, remember me in your prayers as I go through dinner. I, th- I, don't, I don't think it's live up on Jim Baker uh, this week. I think they film it uh, two days and then we'll... Uh, be on here in a couple weeks, but uh, you'll have to follow the Jim Baker show in your area, look at the news times and find out when they are. But looking forward to that. I've been up there before, and it was, it's always a great time. They're, they're wonderful people. And so uh, looking forward to be back on there this week. Now, I wanted to give you, because of everything going on with this Ukraine situation, and there's a lot of speculation going on. Is this World War Three? Is this The Battle of Armageddon. Is this the end of the world? I mean, there are things flying everywhere. All kinds of news stories. So I wanted to kind of uh, settle um, the the issue here. And I wanted to give you an update, though. Because a lot of things are happening in in this Russia-Ukraine thing. So I, I, I pulled some excerpts from a Vox article. And I'll go through some different ones. Go through what um, Marco Rubio has been talking about on his website and bring you up to date. So... 
the, the Vox article, The Dangerous New Phase of Russia's War in Ukraine, explained. So what's going on? Well, Vladimir Putin's war obviously raging on. And you know about the um, NATO training facility that was bombed this weekend. As I was going to the pulpit, the pastor come and talked to me and said, man, have you heard what happened? I looked it up and I mean, that's very close to Poland right there, you understand. And he's, this situation is just escalating. Well, it's raging on and it's signaling a, a frightening escalation on the ground. Russia's war in Ukraine has now stretched on for two weeks plus. And this, it's, it's just a, a relentless bombardment of that country's cities, towns, that has led to more than um, 500 civilian deaths, destroyed civilian infrastructure. You've seen the pictures and different things, the videos, and has forced more than 2.5 million people to flee Ukraine. And obviously it's created a new humanitarian crisis in Europe as well as food shortages for that region, some of the Middle East region, Northern Africa, and different places. The Bible talks about famines in the end time. Jesus warned in Matthew 24, well, it looks like they may be seeing one this year. It could reach America. With everything they're doing, you know, to try to um, regulate everything here in the United States, and the price of gasoline going up. I mean, imagine being a farmer that has to ride a diesel tractor all day for days on end, filling that up with five, six, seven dollar an hour, a five, a five, six, seven dollar diesel gas. So the devastation of this Ukraine-Russian war—it's far from over, everybody. The scale of the Russian invasion, the, the shelling of these major cities like Kiev, which is their the main goal here. That's the capital, and then Kharkiv uh, in the east uh, hinted at Russian President Vladimir Putin's, his larger aims, to seize control of Ukraine with the goal of a regime change. That's what he's trying to do. And though its military is far bigger than Ukraine's, Russia's apparently confounding strategic decisions and logistical setbacks, combined with the ferocity of Ukraine's resistance, have stymied its advance. Now, he may eventually get to his goal, but the Ukrainian people are fighting for all they're worth. And, and really, the war is about the Battle of Kiev. Uh, John Spencer, he's a retired Army officer and a chair of the Urban Warfare Studies at the Madison Policy. He was talking about this at that forum. And taking Kiev would mean taking control of Ukraine, obviously. be like Washington, D.C. here in the United States. Or at least deposing the government of Volodymyr Zelensky, the Ukrainian president whose obvious defiance has galvanized the Ukrainian resistance. And most extra experts believe that Russia is going to prevail. That the, the, the sanctions that we're putting on him, they haven't stopped him yet. Especially, he's now went to China and said, hey, can I get assistance here? Well, they're, they're allies. And so even though supposedly China put sanctions on them, it, you know, it's all political, folks. And you've got to understand, look at the big picture here. Look at the Russia-China-Iran situation. And they're, they're in complete allegiance with each other. 
So even though they put sanctions on them, it's all political. Could be all for the news. But it looks like Russia is going to prevail if everything keeps going like it is now, especially if it can cut off Kiev and the Ukrainian resistance from supplies and start maybe starving them out or keeping them from being able to resist. And so obviously with NATO not wanting to get involved, the United States not wanting to get involved because that would escalate the situation, I mean, to probably a nuclear conflict very quickly. It's really a a, a horrible thing what's going on over there. I'll get into a little bit more, and then we'll talk about World War III and and the Battle of Armageddon when we get back. Right now, there are tens of thousands of Jewish immigrants stranded in Ukraine as Russia invades city after city with no regard for human life. 3,000 Jews are ready to return to Israel today. The need for evacuation, shelter, flights, and emergency housing, nearly $10 million. The Jews in Ukraine need your help. If half of you gave just $250 toward this need, it would be met in full today. Please consider giving to help Jews safely escape Ukraine. To give or learn more, go to endtime.com Ukraine or call 800-END-TIME. That's endtime.com Ukraine or 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. You know, unless something drastic changes, it appears from all we can tell that the war in Ukraine is likely to become more violent. They're bringing in mercenaries. I mean, all kinds of people are coming in on the side of Russia, and it's becoming a, it's a horrible situation. I mean, the United Nations has confirmed at least, what, I think it's just over 1,500 civilian casualties, um, and including 564 killed as of March 10th. And... Though these numbers are, uh, you know, likely undercounts, I mean, because they're not just in there looking through the bodies. And um, However, somebody sent me a video, and I've got to mention this. There was, a, because there's so, there, is, there is propaganda on both sides. And there is corruption, both in Ukraine and Russia. Somebody sent me a video 
of a news reporter that was talking about 59 dead and there were body bag, black body bags behind him with people supposedly dead laying in it. But I saw, you can see plainly, one of the body bags blow up and the guy reaches up and pulls the body bag back down over him. Now, maybe some of you have seen that. But honestly... I have read about this stuff till my eyeballs are about to fall out. And I still can't figure out 100% what's going on totally. You, I mean, I, I, know, I know there's a war going on. That is true. But as far as the motives and all these, the motives on both sides and what's going on and, you know, is Zelensky really what he says he is and who's, who's funding some of this? And, I mean, it's... I mean, I understand history. I understand the history of the USSR um, going away and everybody declaring independence, and but yet Vladimir Putin says that Ukraine should be ours. We're going to take that back. And uh, the, the taking of um, Crimea in 2014, I understand all the history behind it. But when it comes right down to it today, was, I mean, Vladimir Putin didn't do this under Trump. Was he emboldened to do this now? that when he saw what happened in Ukraine, that our administration was totally, just really didn't know how to handle any type of a situation like that. And so I'm really trying to figure all this out because people want to know, is this World War III, the Battle of Armageddon, what's going on? I'm looking at it from a prophetic perspective. Is this thing going to last? Is it going to escalate to the point where it could go into a World War III? But the real motives, it's just kind of, it, there's propaganda on both sides, and it's just crazy. So these numbers, they're, kind, they're, they're likely undercounts, because they don't know for sure. But as, as intense fighting in some of these areas, it's made it difficult to verify some of these statistics. But the fighting across Ukraine has forced more than 4 million people to flee from their homes, from the cities. Many of them have uh, had to get out of the country. Many, many more are trying to. And, of course, that's according to the United Nations. Can you trust those reports? And, you know, what? there's so much propaganda. So, <clears throat> I just, you know, a question that I get a lot. How, how did the war in Ukraine, and that I've had, how did the war in Ukraine begin? I mean, and what's happened so far? Just quickly. You remember that for months, Russia built up troops along the Ukrainian border, and they reached around, what, 100 and close to 200,000, about 100, between 190 and 200,000 on the eve of the invasion. At the same time, Russia issued a series of maximalist demands to the United States and NATO, because he, 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 they, and they included an end to NATO's eastward expansion, uh, because since NATO was created, many nations that came out from under Russia when the USSR dissolved and um, they declared independence, and now they're members of NATO. And so Vladimir Putin has looked at this and said, hey, stop your advance, don't come any closer. He doesn't want NATO right on his border. Um, and so, and, and then, the, of course, the ban on Ukraine entering NATO, he doesn't want that. And among other security guarantees, he decided to invade. Well, all were non-starters for the West. And so 
The, the short answer, though, to all of this is why Russia decided to follow through on, with an invasion. Vladimir Putin decided to. He could have said, it's not going to happen, and it wouldn't have happened. And, um, but yet he said, hey, we're going in, and they did. So from P- Vladimir Putin's perspective, many historians of Europe have said that the enlargement of NATO, which has moved steadily closer to Russia's borders, was certainly a factor, if you understand the grand scheme of things here. But Putin's speech, if you remember the speech on the eve of the invasion, it offered another clue that the Russian president basically denied Ukrainian statehood. And he said that the country rightfully belongs to Russia. He had already taken over Crimea, and so... But Russia's history of incursions, invasions, and occupations under Putin, including Chechnya, Georgia, uh, and Crimea, have foreshadowed a new, even more brutal war. And seen through this lens, many believe him not to be a madman, but a leader who came to power in the lethal siege of Grozny in Chechnya in 99. Anybody who would do something like this under these pretenses, I think you got to have a little madman in you. However, um, they and has pursued increasingly violent policies, and who has been willing to inflict civilian casualties to achieve his foreign policy goals, not caring about human life. Now, I mean, bombed a hospital with pregnant women and different things in, in it. And I mean, I saw the, the pictures today. Horrific. I mean, stop already. But in 2014, Russia launched the invasion of, of Ukraine that culminated in the occupation of Crimea uh, in the south. Now, I want to say that when they did that, here come the rumors about World War III and Armageddon and all these different things. They're taking Crimea and here we go. It didn't end up in World War III. Later that year, Russia deployed hybrid tactics, I mean, uh, such as proxy militias, soldiers without insignia, to attack the Donbas region, where 14,000 people have died since 2014. And then on February 22nd, in the days before Putin launched a full-fledged war on Ukraine, he sent Russian troops into Donbas and declared those two provinces that they were independent of Ukraine. So this time, according to the former State Department of Russia specialist uh, Michael Kimmage, Putin miscalculated the difficulty of taking over Ukraine. But still, as the days go on, the war could escalate, escalate to unimaginable levels of violence. Now, according to the U.S. intelligence estimates, um, about between two and 4,000 Russian personnel have died in the war. So there's a lot of things going on here. You say, well, what about the bio labs? There's a lot of things people are talking about, and we should talk about them. I wanted to go over some excerpts from something I found on Marco Rubio's uh, website. Remember that he talked to um, this lady, I think it's Newland, and she basically admitted that there were bio labs in there, in Ukraine, 
But on his website, on Mark, uh, Senator Mark O. Rubio's website, he says this, and I'm quoting. Senate Select Committee on Intelligence Vice Chairman Marco Rubio, he questioned at this meeting um, Director of National Intelligence Arville Haynes and CIA Director William Burns at the committee's open hearing on the worldwide threats. Rubio says this, Under Secretary Newland, and, th- and I'm quoting here, Marco Rubio said, Under Secretary Newland, said that there's these bio-research facilities in Ukraine. And there's something in those facilities. It's dangerous because we're afraid the Russians will get a hold of it. I mean, if they were creating cotton balls, we wouldn't care, right? But we're doing everything we can to keep them from getting a hold of that. Now, Marco Rubio continues and says, Now, I understand that there's a difference between uh, a bio-weapons facility and one that's doing research. But he says a bio-research facility is totally different thing than a bio-weapons facility because you could have samples of a deadly and serious pathogen, but that doesn't mean you could weaponize it or that you're working on weaponizing it. But because people ask themselves, if there are these facilities there, big question mark there, there's a lot of at play here. And this is not on you, but a long time ago, this should have been acknowledged that there are these labs in Ukraine, and a lot of these, the facts checkers um, just said, don't even mention the labs, because they don't even exist. But Marco Rubio says they absolutely do exist. They exist all over the world. And he said there's labs like that right here. He said, so what I, and again, I'm quoting Marco Rubio. He says, so what I think got some people fired up is that when she said, we're worried that the Russians will get a hold of these facilities, because that implies that there's something in those that is dangerous. I don't know if you could shed some light on that or on how uh, there can be things in the lab that are dangerous, but they may not be weapons labs. So, That was a conversation that Marco Rubio had with the the head of the CIA and um, one of the other guys that he interviewed. The fact of the matter is, he says, these labs are there. We know they're there. And there's got to be something dangerous in them or we wouldn't be worried about um, the Russian forces getting a hold of them. So there's a lot of things going on that you may not know about. That They're saying there's many of them in Ukraine. And certainly we would not want Russia to get a hold of them if they had these dangerous pathogens and a lot of different things in them. However, how the West, how have we responded so far? We're not going in and just hammering the Russians, right? The United States and our allies have basically imposed unprecedented sanctions and other penalties on Russia. Now, I will say, I know that Russia just went to China for aid and helping in this. And China may very well help them. But the sanctions do appear on some scale to be working. And the UN, you know, so that makes you ask the question, well, then why did Joe Biden pull the sanctions off of Iran uh, to allow money to start flowing into their coffers? And this is another thing that I haven't thought, that I've thought about, but I, I didn't even put in my program today to mention, 
is that Iran is upset because it looks like maybe this Russia-Ukraine situation has maybe um, just put the Iran nuclear deal on a back burner for right now. And of course, they were hoping to get a deal done. Right when it looked like it was about ready to be signed, this Russian thing kicks off. And so Iran's not very happy about that, which, and we'll talk about that in just a moment when we come to the war. But the U.S. is doing almost everything it can without officially being a party to the conflict. Because obviously, we go in there and it's Russia and the United States head-to-head. Both of us control 90% of the world's nuclear arsenal. Now, that could be World War III very quickly. However, the U.S. has funneled 17,000 anti-tank missiles so far, including javelins and stingers, to Ukraine. And it has explored arrangements through Poland for Ukraine to acquire additional fighter jets and is considering sending more anti-aircraft equipment. But President Biden rejected the U.S. enforcement of a no-fly zone in Ukraine because a military policy that um, polls has surprisingly been well among Americans, but essentially means that attacking any Russian aircraft that enters Ukrainian Space. Now, you can imagine what that would do. Seventy-eight national security scholars came out against a no-fly zone, saying that that scenario would edge the U.S. too close to a direct conflict with Russia. That's something we want to avoid at all costs, folks. And now, we've had the questions. I mean, there are prophecy people coming out of the woodwork. There are news people that are not prophecy that are saying, hey, this, you know, Donald Trump even said, hey, this could spin into World War III. So when you talk about World War III, the Battle of Armageddon, future prophesied wars, some people say, um, what was the Psalm 83 war? They're, they're just throwing all kinds of stuff out there, and it gets you so confused. So what I wanted to talk about was... Um, Revelation chapter 9, verse 13 through 21. I'll go 13 through 16. And we'll talk about the clues. Because Revelation 9 is the next prophesied war to occur on God's prophetic timeline. It's a specific war. Jesus said there would be wars. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. This Russian-Ukraine thing could be one of those. But when we get into to the specific World War III, the Sixth Trumpet War, at this point, that's not that war. And I know we're coming up to a break. We'll get into it. I'll give you the clues about what we're looking for in a World War III scenario, and we'll talk about some different things uh, when we get back from the break. But this, this is very important. We need to go over this because a lot of people are throwing out a lot of things, and you would think we're entering three or four or five different wars at one time, right? Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
when you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99. You can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Now, so I want to talk about the three wars very quickly to, to kind of clear some things up. Uh, when you're talking about, somebody brought up the, the Psalms 83 war. Speculating that this may be, you know, perhaps maybe this might be that war or World War III or the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, as far as the Psalm 83 war goes... We do not see that necessarily as World War III or maybe not even a future war. I know that there are some that teach that there's books out and different things, but it could have maybe a war that's already occurred in the past. Um, and there's some reasons. There's different scriptures that would make me say that. If, if it is a future war, it appears that it may be the Battle of Armageddon. However, we don't know that at this point. Um, and I'm not going to go off deep into that because there's different, there's scriptures in, I think it's, uh, Psalm 83 verse 16, a line, kind of sounds like Zechariah 14 verse 9, when they will all know the Lord. I mean, so it kind of sounds like the battle of Armageddon, but not necessarily world war three. I know, you know, and this may be a difference of opinion and that's fine, but we don't really see that maybe as a future war unless it's referring to maybe, and I say maybe the Battle of Armageddon. However, yes, the, Jesus did say in Matthew 24, there you will see wars and rumors of wars, i.e. the Russian-Ukraine type situation and those different things. Maybe some other little things that happen in, the, in, the, uh, in Syria, in the Middle East, maybe China, that type of situation. But the specific clues, that's what we're looking for, biblical scriptural clues, Revelation 9, verse 13 through 16. says, And the sixth angel sounded, I heard the voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels bound in the great river Euphrates. The four angels were loosed and were prepared for an hour, a day, a month, and a year, for to slay the third part of mankind. And I saw the, and the, uh, and the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000. ,000. So there are three clues that the Bible gives us <clears throat> about World War III. 
emanate out of the Middle East, out of the Euphrates River region, which is housed in Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. Number two, they um, it will kill one third of the world's population. And number three, there will be a two hundred million man army participate in that war. Currently, you could. If you were to wipe out everybody in Ukraine and Russia, that would be about 0.02, I think 0.024% of the world's population. With current numbers that I pulled uh, Saturday. So no, nowhere near the, the one-third population, 2.6 or 7 billion people. So you've got to bring a lot of the big players into this Type situation, you got to bring in uh, um, somebody like China, India, the the Islamic faction. <clears throat> so at this point, a lot of people have asked me, "Is this World War III?" At this point, no, it's not. But the thing I'm watching is the Russian, Chinese, Iranian that that alliance there. They've been having having maritime drill drills in the Indian Ocean, preparing for a Western advance. And the, you understand that China and Iran has that 25-year pact where they're working together on uh, militarily, economically, in every way, creating kind of like a new Silk Road in that region. China's got their claws in the uh, Middle East. <clears throat> so uh, that's what I'm watching. If... If Russia and Ukraine, and I've heard, I've read articles where they talked about Russia and Ukraine, China, Taiwan, and Iran getting a nuclear weapon. If all that were to happen at one time, now that's World War III tomorrow morning. Because Israel's going to go to war. If they go to war, the United States is going to come in. You know, then, it, then you've got the Islamic faction. You've got the Chinese faction. <clears throat> so that's what I'm watching. Currently... As we speak, the Russia-Ukraine thing is not World War III. To me, it's probably one of the wars that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24. However, I want to read you something that, I, um, that somebody sent me on Saturday. Or no, no, it was, yeah, it was Saturday. And this is from the, so the Bible says there's going to be a 200 million man army participate in World War III. This comes from the Strategic Studies Institute of the U.S. Army War College, okay? And it says in the document, they put a report together of Chinese potential manpower at at their military manpower. And it says this, if you were to go look today at the amount of people in the military of China, it's not going to say 200 million people. But listen at this. This comes straight from the document, and I'm quoting. China's standing armed force. Now, this this report was given in 98, okay? But it says China's standing armed force of some 2.8 million active soldiers in uniform is the largest military force in the world. Approximately 1 million reservists and some 15 million militia back them up. However, with a population of over 1.2 billion people, China also has a potential manpower base 
of another, get this, of another 200 million males fit for military service available at any time. So the Bible specifically says that in World War III, an army of 200 million soldiers will participate in that war. There are three entities on the planet that can field an army of 200 million soldiers. China, India, and the Islamic faction on the planet today. So, this is what we're watching. If you, because you can get so mesmerized on this, what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, and it's horrible. Totally agree. But, is it World War III? At this point, no, it's not. Because the three clues, scriptural clues, to World War III will be Euphrates River region, that'll be the origin. It will kill one-third of the, of the world's population. And a 200 million man army will participate in that war. Now, you say, well, what if Russia and, and uh, Russia pulls China into this Ukraine situation? I, I, I highly doubt they're going to do that. China is eyeing Taiwan. And you say, well, if China eyes Taiwan and brings in the United States, that's World War III. That doesn't have the biblical clues. You say, Dave, why are you holding so much to these biblical clues? Because the prophecies always come to pass in intricate detail. I could take you from all the messianic prophecies in the Bible to the prophecies from the second com- from the um, first coming of Jesus Christ to right now. I could take you through all of them that have occurred up to this point. Every single one of them has been fulfilled n- and not missing one aspect of the prophecy. So for me to say, well, I know that in the future, you know, uh, there could be a war that happens in, you know, somewhere else other than the Euphrates River region, and it's just got a a very small amount of people. No, no, I can't say that. I always have to go back to the three main clues of World War III, scripturally, Revelation 9, and you say, well, how do you know this war is the next one to occur? This is the sixth trumpet war, and the first five trumpets have already occurred. This is why it is imperative, folks, that you understand that the book of Revelation is not written in chronological order. If you believe that, then you believe the rapture happens in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, and that the seals, trumpets, vials all have to occur during the final seven years. So if, if World War III were to kick off, a lot of people that believe that are going to think, well, this can't be World War III because that's going to happen during the final seven years and we're going to be raptured out of here at that point. But once you understand that the rapture is, that Revelation 4.1 is not symbolic of the rapture, and that we will be here during all of this, and the rapture occurs at the second coming of Jesus Christ in the battle of Armageddon, then you can get the big picture and say, you know what, I need to start watching for this war because the Bible says it's one of the next two events to occur on God's prophetic timeline. When you go back from the Old Testament prophets to Revelation chapter 22, there's this giant timeline of events that God has given us. On that big timeline, 
this World War III, this six-trumpet war, and a peace agreement between the Israelis and the Palestinians, those are the next two things to occur on that timeline. I, I cannot prove scripturally which one happens first, the war or the agreement, the peace agreement. It has always been our opinion that the war would happen first, and then that would be the entrance ramp for the Antichrist, because you understand, after World War I and World War II, what was the answer of the international community to never having war on earth again? World government. So imagine after World War III, nations will be willing to yield up their sovereignty in the name of security and say, hey, just you can, you can control our army, you can have our guns, you, just, you create a world government, we'll support you. That, on the heels of World War III, that's what's coming, folks. And so, but you have to understand the, the segmentation of the book of Revelation and how it's all laid out. And then, on the, uh, and then after that, it's always been our opinion, and I'm saying opinion, that the peace agreement would be signed and then Israel would start building her third temple and we move on down the line. But these are the next two on that big giant timeline that God has given us. And so... That's why it's imperative that you get in these Bible studies. That We've got lessons that are teaching all this stuff. And you've got to get your timing right. Um, because it's, it's kind of funny. Because it's not really funny, but it kind of is. That there are people that teach all of this is only going to happen during the final seven years. But now that this Russia-Ukraine thing has kicked off, and they believe the rapture is going to happen prior to that, but now that they, this Russia-Ukraine thing has kicked off, they're all talking about World War III, even though that's supposed to happen during the final seven years. That's just a point of interest. I thought I would throw that out there. Um, but I'm telling you, let's make sure we get together. Let's make sure we teach it right. Myself, Doug, and Vince, we'll be talking about the timelines and everything. That's how we know. The, Bible, the book of Revelation It's not written in chronological order from front to back. Yes, there is the segmentation. John, write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will be hereafter. You have to understand the segmentation and then the skeletal structure of the book of Revelation. Once you get that down, the book of Revelation opens up like a beautiful picture. And it also helps you to not be so scared. Once you understand these prophecies, you know what's coming, and you know how to prepare yourself for the second coming of Jesus Christ, it, it takes the fear factor out of it, folks. And that's what we're here to do at End Time Ministries. Not to teach prophecy as fear, but to help prepare you for the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. 
If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. You know, I, I do want to say that even though I watch the Middle East like a hawk and, and the Euphrates River region, sure, something could kick off with China and Taiwan and then Iran get tired of, you know, nobody's paying them attention. They're not getting the, you know, they're not getting their aspirations and goals met. And so then, then they might decide to get a nuclear weapon and, and that's never going to happen. That would be World War Three tomorrow morning because... The United States would go in on behalf of Israel, and here we go. So, I, uh, uh, the Bible does not say which event will be the, 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 the you know, it's the, really that whole area is a tinderbox over there, just waiting for somebody to throw a match in. So, I cannot say, I cannot prove scripturally which event will lead to World War III. But I know, at some point, the Euphrates River region has to be involved because of the great river Euphrates and the four angels bound in that river. And um, again, I'm just going off of the prophecies, which happen, which will occur in great detail. Now, that's World War III, and I'm writing a big article for it on, in the next issue of the magazine, the, the coming prophesied future wars, we'll be, and I'll go into great detail in all that. Uh, when that occurs, how we can prove that scripturally. However, uh, the next one people are throwing out there, let's see, it was what? Uh, Psalms 83, uh, World War Three, and then the Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon does not occur until the end of the final seven-year period. We have not entered the final seven-year period yet. Um, it, when it, what event launches us into that? Well, that's the peace agreement. When the peace agreement is signed, it has all the characteristics to that peace agreement, that is the event that starts the final seven years to the second coming of Jesus Christ, the Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon is not till the end of that final seven-year period. The Battle of Armageddon is at the end of the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation is the final three and one-half years of that final seven-year period. So for, for me to say right now, hey, this is the Battle of Armageddon. No, that's not true. That's, it can't be scripturally. It's not possible. Because many things have to happen before the Battle of Armageddon gets here. Now, there are things going on in the world, absolutely, that are setting the stage for that invasion by the world governing armies. You understand the anti-Semitic mindset of the United Nations and a lot of the world. Anti-Semitism is on a huge rise right now. It's setting the stage for the world governing armies to invade Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. But this, what's going on in Russia and Ukraine is not the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, I've heard people say that it is the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war. Ezekiel 38 and 39 is the Battle of Armageddon. Um, Gog and Magog in Magog in Ezekiel 38 is referring to Russia. And I've read articles and just all kinds of things. That just, people are just throwing everything out there. And I thought, man, we, we need to make sure that we're getting this right because I, people need to know the truth. And 
so I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to follow this stuff, but yet, regardless of what the news says, I'm going with Scripture. Because Scripture, I've watched over the years, and I've studied this stuff, and my father-in-law has walked me through this stuff for years now, that all, all and I've written articles on it, the, the, all of these prophecies have come to pass in intricate detail. You can prove them historically. You can, I mean, it's, you can, it's easy to prove. So, regardless, I understand what's going on in the news, and I do follow the news. Believe me, I live in that stuff. But when it comes to what specifically is going to happen, I'm going to stick to the Word of God, even though it doesn't look like that's going on. I know that when those prophecies are fulfilled, they will align up, and we'll know that those are the ones, then they'll line up to the Word of God. I'm not going to take the Word of God and try to line it up to some philosophy. We're going to stick to the Word of God because I know that they, the prophecies will come to pass in intricate detail, just like this book says it will. And you say, well, you know, why are you so dogmatic? Because here's the deal. I want to, my goal, end time ministry's goal, is to get you to heaven, to prepare you for heaven. If, if we were to make the, try to make the Bible fit a, a false narrative, we would have no credibility. We'd lose our credibility this afternoon. But because my father-in-law, who started out in 19, started studying this stuff in um, the mid-60s and stuck to the prophecies of the Bible all the way through, wrote his first book in 86. We went on uh, radio in 98. We went on television in 2010, and with all of that is continuing today. We started the Jerusalem Prophecy College in downtown Jerusalem. All of those hundreds of hours of teachings, all of this went into that. Guess what? My father-in-law and myself, Doug, Vince, we stick right to these prophecies. We do not veer off of that. I'm not going to take the, to make the Bible fit some kind of narrative that I dreamed up. I'm sticking to the prophecies of the Bible, and guess what? My father-in-law, he was right on this stuff, folks. These things come to pass. His first book in 1986, A Message for the President, he wrote that it was the first time, to my knowledge, that the United States and other modern nations was taught about. And, And we published it in the book. And in the book, he foretold, predicted, that the, it was the, the Cold War was still going on. This was 86. That the Berlin Wall, the symbol of the Cold War, would be torn down. The two Germanys would reunite, and that would be the catalyst that would launch us into the New World Order. He wrote the book and published it in 86 because of the prophecies of the Bible. The healing of the deadly wound. The modern nations in Daniel 7. And what they symbolized. And the Bible says, after the wound was healed... One of the beasts symbolized a nation. After a wound to the nation was healed, all the world will wonder after the beast. Well, when the Berlin Wall came down, George H.W. Bush, Gorbachev, and Pope John Paul II came out of the meetings at Yalta talking about the birth of the new world order. The world government. And... That happened in 1989, three years after he published the book. Everybody from all over the place started calling him and saying, 
Irvin Baxter, how did you know this was going to happen in such great detail? Everything he said in the book come to pass. And he said, God revealed these things to me and, and told me, publish this. He did that, and that's really what launched End Time Ministries. Now, my father-in-law has gone on to be with the Lord. Most of you know that. So for myself, Dave Robbins, Doug Norvell, Vince Stegall, End Time Ministries as a whole, to say, well, you know what? I know Irvin Baxter talked about that, but, you know, we could really talk about this and it would be more sensationalistic and it would be more... That's not going to happen. I'm going to stick to these prophecies like super glue, just like my father-in-law did. Because, folks, these things are giving for, given to us to help instruct people to do what? If, once, if we talk about these things and then they come to pass... It'll build your faith in what book? In the Bible, where these prophecies are written. And that book, the Bible, is the only book that has the words to eternal life. So if I, Dave Robbins, End Time Ministries, Urban Baxter, can build your faith in the Bible and then show you how the Bible tells us to prepare for the soon second coming of Jesus Christ, then we are teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God to every person on the earth. See what's going on? And we're preparing you, yes, mentally and physically for the times just ahead, but most importantly, preparing you spiritually for eternity. And that's what we're doing here. So, when we, you know... Uh, do we teach prophecy a little different than some? Yes, we do. We, I, I had uh, somebody talking to me Sunday about, well, you know most people teach a pre-tribulation rapture. I understand that. My father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, was raised to believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Up until he was uh, 19, 20 years old, he believed in a pre-trib. Irvin Baxter, up until he was 20 believed in a pre-tribulation rapture, that the Lord would come, the rapture would occur prior to the tribulation period. However, when he started studying this stuff and um, God started revealing these things to him, he started reading these scriptures and he thought, now hold on a minute. Jesus said in Matthew 24, immediately after the tribulation of those days, with the sun be darkened, moon shall not give a light, stars will fall from heaven, the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the sign of the coming of the Son of Man in the sky, and He will send His angels with the sound of a great trumpet to gather the elect. He said, now that, the, Jesus told us that happens immediately after the tribulation of those days. And then there are other scriptures. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Revelation 20, the simultaneous harvest. I mean, there's many ways. And he thought, man. So, he come out and started teaching a post tribulation rapture. And his parents said, Irvin Baxter, you're going to ruin your ministry. Nobody will have you preach anywhere. Uh, you're, you're going to be swept into the dustbin of history. Uh, you, you're, you're just, your ministry is going to nothing because you're teaching this post-tribulation rapture. And he said, I see it in Scripture and I'm going to teach it. So here we are. What? Um, 55 plus years later? And guess what? We're still teaching post-trib rapture. You say, well, you're just doing it to be in conflict. No, 
Not. I'm teaching it because that's what we see in Scripture. I told somebody Sunday, I said, if it's a pre-tribulation rapture, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm cool. Let, let's, let's go. However, we've got to teach what we see in the Scripture, folks. Beyond all the peer pressure, everything that's going on, we've got to teach and stick to these prophecies. And so, yes, in the future, we'll do more, prop, we'll, we'll do more radio programming on post-trib rapture and all the timing of these things because we want you to get it right. Now, if you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, that's fine. I still love you guys. It's not contradictory. We don't even teach it as a salvation issue. However, in, in our opinion, we believe that the Scripture teaches a post-tribulation rapture. Irvin Baxter's parents were pre-tribulation rapture. You know what? They're in heaven with him today. So if you want to believe in a pre-trib, great. However, I'm going to teach post-trib just like my father-in-law did because I've seen it in Scripture. It's not just him teaching me. Over the years, having taught hundreds of Bible studies and written articles and all the things that I've had to do, I see it for myself. And I'm so thankful that my father-in-law, many of you know him, a wonderful man of God, spirit-led man, a soft presentation, loved everybody. But he held to the prophecies. He held to the Bible, period. Not just prophecy. He was a wonderful Bible teacher. And I know that many of you are, and I am looking forward to seeing him again someday. And I will hug his neck, and I will say, you know, Dad, thank you, because you're one of the reasons I'm saved today. And so, man, folks, I... I... I'm very thankful to be here with a part of you studying the scriptures, instructing others, because that's what we're going to do. We are continuing to prepare people for the soon coming of Jesus Christ. Having done that, we will be a smashing success in this life. God bless, and we'll talk to you on the other side. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com. 